Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on KateSideRest.com. I'm Danny Gibby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC may be away this weekend, but that doesn't mean we don't have some fights to talk. Cage Warriors 164 is this weekend, and we will be chatting with two of the fighters on that card, Orlando Prince and Dan Doyce. Plus, in honor of the home country of both those fighters, we will be counting down our top five Dutch prospects heading to the big show in the near future. But before we get to any of that great content for you, we do have to let you know that this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, it's drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink it? Certainly couldn't hurt. Because Game Up is not a hard seltzer, because hard seltzers just didn't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own, and it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, 1 gram of carbs. It's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA mullers, urban fitness freaks, peak-bagging badasses, tough mother mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicap hackers, committed cornhole huckers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever it is to buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. Game Up brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, joining me today is Dan Joyce, who fights Aiden Stefan at Cage Warriors 164. That fight is on November 25th. So, Dan, I wanted to start here. You know, the Netherlands, obviously known for their, like, long line of kickboxers. And, and you certainly showed your hands. You did in your last fight. But it's largely been your dominant ground game that kind of brought you here, right? Ground and pound finishes, submissions, all over the place. Has, has that sort of always been your style? You, you'd take to that at an early age? Uh, yeah, it's always been like that because I started off with uh, with judo and that's that's where where it came from. But uh, throughout my uh, amateur career, I only won on submissions and that's it. And in my pro uh, career, then I started to get it more comfortable comfortable with uh, with with the stand up game and yeah, that's it. So now we we can mix it up the ground game and stand up game. That's awesome. So you started with judo. How early were you doing judo and and sort of what got you into that? Uh, probably around six, seven years old. That's when I when I I started training. Um, basically because my big brother was doing it as well. So yeah, obviously you you gonna do it uh, do it as well. Um, yeah, I just did uh, a lot of tournaments, but never uh, actually got to reach the 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 high level. Uh, and then we made uh, the switch to to MMA. And sort of what prompted the switch to MMA? Because if if your brother brought you to judo, what made you think you know let's let, let's make this a little harder, let's make this trickier on ourselves? Yeah, uh, I think it's also because of my coach. Uh, because my coach right now, Dwayne from Helford, he, 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 back in the days when I was still uh, training judo, 
Uh, he was also my coach, so I never left. Um, and seeing him fight, uh, I think that's that's one of the reasons I thought to myself, okay, I wanted to be an MMA fighter as well someday. And so, uh, you know, I, I, whenever I talk to Dutch fighters, I usually ask about their inspirations because there's a long line of famous Dutch MMA fighters, right? You know, you got Struve and you got Overeem and you got all those guys. Obviously, now your coach is is maybe one of the biggest influences, but were any of those other guys or were there other people who, like, influenced you in terms of being a, a Dutch MMA fighter? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it's it's particularly uh, the Dutch MMA fighters. It's probably Khabib is also it's it's just my my biggest uh, inspiration in MMA. Um, but uh, throughout the years, uh, we had a lot of uh, uh, Dutch fighters, Chermaine, uh, 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 Randami, uh, Andy Sauer, uh, Robert van Roosmalen, Ilias Bulaid, uh, a lot of uh, kickboxers who make the switch to MMA. And yeah, I, I got to learn a lot from them. Um, so yeah, just seeing them train and the way they train and the, the, the way they are uh, striking. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good for me to see it and to learn from it. And, and I was going to say that too. Is it like the best situation possible that you have this like very strong judo background, which is clearly still in your MMA game, but you also have seemingly surrounded yourself with people who do the opposite, people who, you know, kickbox and, and, you know, have big knockout power. Do you feel like that's been optimal for you in your, your MMA training? Yeah, yeah, obviously. obviously. Um, uh, I think because of that, um, the, the striking, um, you're going to lear learn it better than um, maybe other countries. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think right now I'm in a, in a very good place. Uh, especially with the striking. Uh, before, in the beginning of my my uh, my career, I wasn't so comfortable with the striking, but now I I don't care. And also because of because of the the Dutch uh, kickbox stuff. Absolutely. Now you you mentioned you know you're, you're starting to feel more and more comfortable with the striking. It almost seemed like you wanted to do that in your last fight. You wanted to show off that your hands are a little bit better than they've been in the past. Is that true? Were you like out to prove a point that like, hey, I'm not just a submission specialist? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I I was thinking about it before the fight, but I think after the fight, I think I, I talked to myself. Um, I think it's uh, good for me and also good for the, the other people, the fans and uh, also the other fighters in my division to, to see it as well. Um, but yeah, uh, for me, I think for only for me, uh, it's uh, it's been a good uh, good finish. So good for my uh, for my uh, confidence as well. For sure. Now let let's talk about those other fighters in your division and sort of where you're going because a win here puts you three and one at Cage Warriors with some wins over very impressive opponents. You know we're we're almost to the new year. I'm not asking you for like a a plan for 2024, but do you have sort of what you you're hoping for in the new year? You know more Cage Warrior fights. Are we hoping for something else? I'm I'm not sure yet. Um, I think I'm not sure, but I think this is the the last fight on my contract at Cage Wars. So after this fight, um, we just have to to figure something out. Maybe we stay at Cage Wars. Maybe we go somewhere else. We don't know yet. Um, but if I stay at Cage Wars, I'm hoping to fight for the title uh, next year. Of course, yeah. And maybe uh, from that position, we can go to uh, the UFC. And is that sort of, oh, that was my next question. Is that sort of always been your dream, the UFC? Or is it been, you know, a lot of people say, you know, there's other big organizations too, but is it been sort of UFC or bust for you? 
Uh, it's always been the biggest organization, and right now, UFC is the biggest organization. Um, in the future, I don't know. Maybe um, my mind will change uh, in a couple of years. Maybe uh, PFL will will be much more uh, bigger than the UFC right now. Um, but I just want to compete at the at the highest level. I just want to uh, be the best, uh, best in my division. And yeah, that's always been the been the goal. And so obviously the next step to that goal is Aiden Stefan, who you were fighting on November 25th. So let, let's start by talking about the stylistic matchup here. You know, he's a guy who can kind of do it all, but whether did you have initial thoughts on, you know, sort of what he was good at when they offered you him as an opponent? Uh, to be honest, I I don't know the guy. Um, <laughs> I, I've seen his face on a picture probably one time. Um, but yeah, I just want to fight. Um, now that I have seen... Uh, uh, a couple of his fights, yeah, I, I can, I can see where, uh, where, uh, where his strong points uh, are. Um, yeah, I, I think this is gonna be a, a good fight. And, and so, out of curiosity, you know, you said you didn't know anything about him. Do you feel like that's the way with most of your opponents? And in how much do you you put into game planning and watching their tape? Uh, I'm I'm not watching that much. Uh, my coaches they are they are watching it, and I I I can hear from them what I have to do. Um, I only watch like a couple of things the beginning, but I'm yeah I'm not 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 a big fan of of watching a lot of uh, fights of my opponents. Just have to go in there. You have to do your own thing, and yeah, that's it. Just uh, just believe in yourself. Just keep going, and yeah, that's it. So if you go in there and do your own thing, that leads me perfectly to my last question, which is, do you got a prediction for us? How does it end if you go in there and do your thing on November 25th? Like I said before, it's gonna. I think it's going to be a great fight uh, for me, for my opponents as well, but also for the fans. Um, and yeah, it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a finish. 100% it's going to be a finish. Uh, at the end of the night, my hand will be raised. That's it. I'm I'm just uh, wanting want to reach my my goal, and uh, this is just one 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 person standing in my way. That's it. All right. Well, you're here to hear first, folks. This is Ben Don Joyce, who fights Aiden Stefan at Cage Warriors 164. That fight is on November 25th. Dan, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Dan Joyce. I once again, I'm Daniel Gavi-Freeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave, Dave Tremonte. Dave, no UFC this weekend, but we obviously got to talk about the news outside of the UFC. As of recording right now, PFL has purchased Bellator for 2024. They are going to be doing this weird sort of half absorbing the roster, half not absorbing the roster, running Bellator kind of separately but fighters can jump into the pfl if they want there were a lot of details to shake out and obviously a lot to talk about there but what is your quick take on the pfl in their purchase of bellator gumby is a longtime professional wrestling fan i've seen many a leagues merge and be bought out and i will tell you right now it never works when you try to when a brand swallows up a smaller brand and tries to continue running said smaller brand no one cares. There's no value in the Bellator brand. There's no one out there that's walking around loyal to Bellator unless there's some sort of TV contract that they just have to fulfill as part of the acquisition. To me, there's no point to running Bellator as its own brand. But what I like about this deal, just from 
uh, a roster building standpoint, it does make PFL's roster stronger in theory. And I rather have a very strong number two to compete against the UFC than a week two and a week three. So I do like it from that standpoint. I just don't see the reason why PFL wants to run Bellator events. That makes zero sense to me. Just be, these are PFL fighters now, in my opinion. Yeah, I, th- I think you did hit the nail on the head there. I think it's something about the TV deals. And I don't necessarily think they're ne- like trying to run out the clock on a TV deal because it seemed like Showtime kind of just let go of Bellator and was like, go do whatever you want. But I think there's something when like an organization buys the other one where they ask themselves like, hey, we have two entities here that we can sell to to different companies and stuff like that. And it sounds better on paper to sell them separate. But I think what you see all of these companies do, I mean, like think about the UFC with WEC, you know, like they tried to have versus and, uh, you know, they were Spike TV at the time and then Fox, they tried to run them separately. And then like after a while, they're like, hey, if we package this shit together, it's a lot better. Um, and so they're like, why not just swallow this up? Say we've got more events, say we've got more stuff and just get like one brand that has really good rights. And I think you're going to so, see the same thing here. I think it, you're going to, yeah, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. We're just saying the same thing. Exactly. It 99% bet your life savings. That's what's going to eventually happen. They always try to do this. And I do, uh, you're right. Actually, they sell it as two separate brands, different marketing aspects, blah, blah, blah. It never works. Here's the only way it works. The one caveat to how this works. If the second brand, the minor brand, and in this case, that's Bellator, the one that got acquired, is so radically different that it serves some other market share that the first brand cannot do or is not willing to do. So unless they're willing to turn Bellator into like a crazy russian inspired mma where it's like team mma all at the same time (laughs) with weapons and ninja stars just something crazy unless it's that there is no point to just having pfl and then bellator which just turns into pfl light and a weaker roster so i'm totally with you eventually it'll all just be pfl so if we agree on that i think we can also agree on this is great for the pfl and it's great for their roster acquiring more talent and hopefully it just becomes another place where fighters can go and get paid and uh, they don't have to you know bend the knee to Dana White every time yeah I agree and and I will also say this too to to your point about them being needing to be something radically different it it needs to serve a purpose and right now all they're saying is is it's like non-tournament bouts or non-regular season bouts and there's only eight cards a year that's what they're telling us they're going to give us with Bellator so the bottom line is after one year of doing this, they will realize it serves no purpose. Agreed. Well, I'll tell you what serves a purpose. <coughs> Me not choking. <coughs> what serves a purpose is uh, our combat countdown, because we don't have fights this week, but we're breaking out our second favorite segment on the show. It's combat countdown. And in honor of our interview with Dutch fighters, we're going to be breaking down and counting down the next five Dutch fighters who we believe will excel in the UFC. So Gumby, let's get into it. But actually, before we do, does anyone sponsor this edition of Combat Countdown? Absolutely. The Combat Countdown is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, it's no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. And it comes in all your favorite flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit punch, and grape. And it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs, 
It's gluten-free and it's got no added sugar. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer and bring it on home for the team. All right, before we get to the countdown, give me an honorable mention, someone who didn't make the top five. So I want to uh, give an honorable mention to our later interview today, Orlando Prince. Orlando Prince, just barely outside of our top five. I felt like I had to mention him because his grappling skills are just so high level. You know, being one and two in his last three makes it a little bit hard to include him on the list. But man, the potential's there. He's certainly in the right place right now with Cage Warriors this upcoming weekend. So, you know, had to keep him on our radar and make sure we got him mentioned. All right. The true number five is the Cage Warriors featherweight, Jordy Bacchus. Yeah. So Jordy Bacchus, six, two and one so far. He just is coming off of a win over Ryan Shelley by arm triangle. And everybody's really high on the Shelley brothers, but he went in there and he absolutely took it to him in the grappling department. And he did so in kind of an interesting way. You know, when you think about Dutch fighters, you often think about the kickboxers and there is more than a couple of kickboxers we're going to talk about next. But this is a guy who actually comes from a judo base. You know, he's got very clear, good judo throws, judo trips, and it really played up against another phenomenal grappler and Ryan Shelley. So to see him with such a good record, again, in a good place like Cage Warriors, you have a really good feeling that this guy has lots of potential. Uh, let's move to number four then, Gino Van Stinas. Yeah, so Gino Van Stinas is a Levels Fight League lightweight. So he comes from Levels Fight League, which is a growing promotion over in the Netherlands. He's 4-0, which I know puts him kind of a little bit early in his career, but three of those four fights are finishes. He is also a glory kickboxer, so he's got lots more combat experience. He's actually got a pretty long amateur career as well. You can see the Dutch kickboxing background with the, you know, the teeps and the attacks on the leg and the quick kicks. It's all really clear that he's ready to fight some higher level dudes. He's also got a brother who fights professionally, has fought in Bellator too. People might have heard of him, Costello. So like everything seems to be lining up for this guy. And you know how Dana White has loved on Contender Series lately. Kickboxers with just a little bit of MMA experience. They sometimes pop up in those, uh, uh, contender series fight so maybe look for him this fall all right uh well let's also look for usri balgari uh levels fight league middleweight yeah so he fought for levels fight league but you guys might remember from seeing him on contender series this past year he of course lost on contender series he looked like he gassed out a little bit and just kind of had a fight that maybe he wasn't expecting but even with that loss now he bounces back with a win at levels and he's six and three with five knockouts obviously a glory kickboxer, incredible there. He trains with Alex Pajeda. He actually fought Alex Pajeda and Israel Adesanya in glory. So he's got tons of experience there. And of course, now that he's training with Glover, I expect his, you know, his wrestling to get better, his jujitsu to get better. Hopefully that cardio piece would not surprise me to see him be one of those guys who shows up on contender series twice and makes good on it the second run. Well, let's make good on Dan uh, Doisier, a Cage Warriors bantamweight. Yeah, Dan Dwight is a uh, Cage Warriors bantamweight. He joined the show a little bit earlier here. I mean, uh, lo- I mean, look at his record. Nine and two with six submissions. Again, we talked about Dutch kickboxers. Dutch kickboxers seem to be the thing that we always think of, you know, the Overeems and the Sammy Schiltz and stuff like that. But this is a guy with six subs and some of his wins, even the ones that aren't subs, come from his ground game you know he comes from ground and pound you know he, he when he's on top he's absolutely dangerous and in his last fight he showed he's dangerous with the hands too a big overhand right to a knockout you know he looked incredible doing it so yeah i i think uh now that he's rounded out his game and you're starting to see both the hands and the grappling you're gonna see this guy 
uh, make it a big show appearance pretty quickly. All right. It's time for numero uno. It's Aji Sardari. Yeah, Aji Sardari, uh, Cage Warriors lightweight. This guy has been around for a real long time all over the European scene. 17 and four. You know, it's one of those records that you see guys coming over from Europe slowly having, right? You have, you know, guys like Matthews Gamera who came over to the UFC with already like 20 fights. Sarji has got the same thing in 12 of those fights or finishes, you know, kind of like I was saying with Deutz, once he started to show his game was well-rounded all the way around, you started to know that this guy is probably moving over to a UFC or to a Bellator soon enough. Um, of course, he's got to rattle off a couple in a row to really make that happen. And he can do that. You know, Cage Warriors runs often enough that you might see, like I said, this guy could be an appearance either at the end of the year with Contender Series or if we get one of those European cards come the summer and they need a, a guy on short notice or a replacement guy, Sardari could be that guy. Boom. Let us know how you think we did with our combat countdown for the next five Dutch fighters to excel in the UFC. You could hit us up at Top Turtle MMA. Let's keep on the social media, that is. Uh, let's keep the Dutch momentum going, Gumby. What should we do next? Well, we're going to transition now to my interview with Orlando Prince, the aforementioned, who is talking a little bit about his upcoming fight at Cage Warriors 164 this weekend. And you can get that interview right now. All right, joining me today is Orlando Prince, who fights Bailey Gilbert at Cage Warriors 164. That fight is on November 25th. So, Orlando, I wanted to start here. You know, you kind of had a longer layoff than I think you planned on. There were a couple of canceled fights in there, you know, like seven or eight months in between fights here. Was there one reason for all of it falling apart? Like, give us an update. What have you been up to? Yeah, so uh, I actually wanted to be really active this year, and uh, the plan was to fight four times and uh, fight out my contract and uh, go into the next contract actually. But um, yeah, for some reason I kept getting injured and I had, um, I had some really bad luck in the July fight. I had staff just like two weeks or something before the fight. And uh, yeah, I had to get on antibiotics and I can resume my training and yeah, it was shit. So I was like, okay, um, just a small hiccup. I was still pretty fit and no real injuries. So I was like, okay, let's get back into it in September. Then I got back into September and then <clears throat> I got injured again while being on training camp in, uh, in Sweden. So, uh, yeah, I had to cancel that fight as well. So really bummed out. And, uh, I was actually scared that I wasn't going to be able to, to make another date this year. So, uh, I'm really happy that uh, I got the call for the 25th and uh, super excited. Now, I, I want to talk about you getting the call in a second, too. But, you know, without giving away too much, because if it's an injury and it's a recent one, I don't want to give your opponent any information here. Was it a big injury? Did it take you way out or was it just enough to make it so that you just couldn't make your fight date? Yeah, so it's uh, it's something that like um, that needed some time and needed some work. Um Definitely something that I could, like, I could still, like, do a little bit of training around, but definitely something that will need some work in the future and uh, need some taking care of. So I was like, it's a big risk, you know, like, it's my last fight on the contract. I don't want to, yeah, maybe it sounds like a little bit, like, uh, yeah, weird, but I didn't want to take any, like, unnecessary risk, you know, like, going in there, like, half-prepared like not feeling confident that I could win the fight, you know? 
that makes a lot of sense to me. Now you mentioned you're happy that you got this shot on the 25th and you know, it, it just kind of came up on our feed that you were getting this fight sort of recently. So was this a short notice fight? Did, did you know about it a little bit longer than us? How, how long have you known that this fight was happening? I known maybe like a few days before it got announced. So I didn't know, like, I didn't know it either, but I was still preparing for it. So um, I was just hoping for a call. I was, I kept harassing my manager and my manager kept harassing me and Dean to like, uh, to give us an opponent and, he was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Like, maybe something will pop up and maybe it's going to be the 11th, maybe it's going to be the 25th. And I was like, whatever, you know, like I'm down, you know, like I'm uh, ready to fight. And I just kept training with that kind of mentality, you know, like um, maybe not like completely dialed in for like fight camp, but at least like training like once a day and uh, staying fit and uh, like keeping my weight as low as possible. So I don't have to like do uh, do such a crazy cut. And uh, yeah, here we are, you know. Well, that's awesome to hear. Now, so you, it, as a result, you're going to get like a little mini training camp, right? Where we do get to crank up the intensity a little bit and we get to talk about a specific opponent. So, you know, when you did get the mm -hmm. name Bailey Gilbert, were you familiar with them? Did you have to do some research? What what was sort of your process there? Um. Not super familiar with him. Um, we had one common opponent, so and I actually like by coincidence caught that fight, and I was like, oh, he fought Tom Mearns, and hmm, that would be an interesting fight down the line, maybe you know, like. But I never thought, I never like thought about it like after that fight anymore, you know. So uh, yeah, it, it it was just coincidence and. Uh, I checked him out a little bit. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. You know, like, uh, seems like a great fight. He's like, a uh, he's on a one fight losing streak. So, uh, yeah, he'll be, he'll be like keen to like, to, to, to get a W in the cage warriors, of course. And I know he's a dangerous fighter. He has eight finishes, I think. And, uh, yeah, yeah he's got a good ranking as well. So, um, yeah, I couldn't be more excited for this fight, you know? Absolutely. And I, I love the stylistic matchup of this one, because as you mentioned, he's a finisher, but not just a finisher. He's a guy who's been finishing a lot of fights on the mat, a lot of submissions, yeah. which I know is a, a style of fight that you prefer as well yourself. So are you excited to have kind of like somebody who's, you know, sort of willing to oblige you in the type of fight you like? Yeah, you know, like he's like, he strikes me as not the guy that tries to like, um, win by points and hold on, you know, like, and that kind of plays into my style as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully it will be an exciting fight, you know, like, and um, hopefully I'll be able to get a finish again, you know, like, uh, because I've been going, like, three fights, I've been going the distance, and <laughs> that's not my, uh, that's not really my style, you know, like, uh, I'm not getting paid extra for that, you know, so I like to get in there and get it done, and, you know, and I like to, to fight against people that are actually going in there to, 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 to finish me as well, you know, like, I felt like, a bunch of the guys that have been fighting just trying to hold on and like like just trying to like win on points and try to like just do enough to win the round and um i had to learn from that as well of course because this is the game as well this is mma you know like you have to like play the game and you can't just go out there and finish everybody you know like so that was a learning curve for me but i'm definitely more excited for this kind of fight you know like if you feel 
it seems like it's going to be a firefight this one for sure now before we get to talking about your prediction because that's usually like where i would like to end it i want to talk to you about where you're fighting this fight too because you know not that you're getting a lot of hometown fights you're not usually the hometown guy in cage warriors but no. you're going to new you're going to newcastle and you're fighting a dude from newcastle have you thought about the hostility of the crowd does that matter to you at all going into a fight Nah, not really. To be fair, um, the last fight I fought in uh, 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 Sheldon's hometown as well, or basically his hometown, you know, I'm not sure if he's actually from Manchester, but I think he trains in Manchester and like, uh, like yeah, he had a lot of fans there as well, but I got a great reception there and uh, I didn't feel any hostility. And to be fair, I never feel any hostility when I'm in Cage Warriors. I feel like uh, the fans really embrace me and... Uh, I feel really at home fighting at the UK. So um, I'm not going in there like uh, with the uh, – uh, um, I'm not going in there like thinking that it's going to be a hostile environment. Maybe it will, and uh, it will be fine as well. You know, like it's just me and him out there anyway. So like the crowd can't fight for him. The the judges can't fight for him. They can help him, you know, but like they can't fight for him, you know, like – for sure. So, you know, you're the one in there, the cage with him. I usually like to end these with a prediction. Cage Warriors 164, November 25th. How do you see this one ending? Uh, it's going to be a finish, probably second round. Um, Got to finish him by strikes. All right. Well, you're here to hear first, folks. This has been Orlando Prince, who fights Bailey Gilbert at Cage Warriors 164. Once again, that fight, November 25th. Orlando, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, brother. My pleasure. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsor, Game Up Heart Hydration. And remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both those locations. And until next week, I'm Dana Gibby-Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will catch you then.